Once again, KRVN's Midday News Magazine coming at you live from across five states, 50,000 watts of power, bringing you the very latest in ag news, market information, and financial market information, along with some sports and maybe a chuckle or two along the way. Brandon Bennett's here doing the best to keep the ship afloat, and we're going to welcome in Susan Littlefield to give us the breakdown. Susan, what's the farm team up to today on Midday? Well, starting it all off at 1219, we're going to learn from Darren Fessler of Lakefront Futures and Options about how farmers can look at risk management that, of course, in the current low-volume markets that we've been seeing. Then at 1245, Alan Vanalik steps in. His Nebraska Extension is offering some landlord-tenant cash rent workshops. Now, the workshop presenter is Alan, and he'll be talking about what all the details are of that upcoming meeting. Then stepping in at 117, Chad Moyer gives us an update from Riley Stoltz. Riley is a new employee through AFAN, and she talks about that new role with Chad. So that's a Monday from the farm team. Sounds like you guys are going to be busier in the bird dog, and that means lots of great information out there. You bet. That sounds great. Susan Littlefield, many thanks. We'll be checking in with the farm team throughout the rest of the day. Jason Jorgensen talking about Legion baseball and a tough one on the chin last night for Carney Runza. Yeah, they lost to ten nothing. I think you were there and witnessed it. Were you PA announcing that I, one? <laughs> I was doing the PA for it. That was not only is it unusual that Carney Runza loses at home, but also gets ten run ruled at home. But even more unusual, the unicorn last night. Carney Runza only had one hit. Wow. So they'll try to bounce back this afternoon. Lots of Legion baseball action across the state. Weather played into it with the Class B tournament in Gehring, and then they also had some rain in the Syracuse area. About 30 minutes from now, they'll resume that tournament, but that's the way it goes. You hold a baseball tournament, chances are it could be dry for 40 days. <laughs> and then in Nebraska, you... It's the cliche, but it's absolutely true. Just wait the obligatory five minutes. You never know what you're going to see. So we'll give you an update on that. Also talk some Big Ten football. We'll hear from the new head coach at Ohio State, Ryan Day. There's a guy who doesn't have big shoes to fill at all. Yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. he uh, did a good job last year as yeah. an interim coach, first three games, but he has the task of replacing Urban Meyer. Get his thoughts uh, on that. Ohio State is not predicted to win the Right. Big Ten East, everybody's on the Jim Harbaugh bandwagon, but we'll see come December who that's ends up winning that. That's exactly right, and a lot of good things coming out of the Chiefs minicamp right now. A little bit, and of course they've had to deal with the uh, controversy of Mr. Tariq Hill, and he said he was sorry yesterday. <laughs> we'll have you hear what he had to say about that. that so they'll good. try to put that in the rearview mirror. Sometimes distractions help a team focus, and sometimes distractions really undo a team. Also, this last weekend, the last weekend until the middle of February, in which there won't be some form of football on the weekend. So for those of you that have have the doxology queued up, now time's to hear from all blessings flow. Speaking of blessings today, Bob Brogan, stock markets are up marginally. They are, and uh, that's good, but there's also some of the markets that are down, so things are kind of mixed right now. So... Um, also, negotiations aimed at ending a tariff war between the U.S. and China are due to begin tomorrow in Shanghai. Hopes for a breakthrough appear to be slim at this point, despite the agreement in June by Presidents Donald Trump and Xi, uh, Xi Jinping. So, so that's some of the things that are going on. Also, uh, the price of regular-grade gasoline dropped by two cents per gallon over the past couple of weeks don't spend all of that two cents in one place please but hey at 20 gallons a tank maybe that'll add up after a while that's your midday check 
Hi, I'm Dewey Nelson, and we moved our South Pacific trip with Colette Guided Touring to January 21st of 2020. Explore the Great Barrier Reef, visit the glacial fjords on New Zealand's South Island, cruise Sydney Harbor, meet Australia's wildlife up close, and discover the wonders of Aboriginal culture. To learn more, visit krvn.com or call 800-581-8942. Again, 800-581-8942. It's why they travel, Colette. Time once again for a check of your regional weather outlook forecast. And, Paul, with all the uncertainty going on in Washington, D.C. and playing politics, <laughs> no uncertainty right now. This is uh, this is pretty nice weather considering it's late in July. Yeah, if you like the cooler-than-normal temperatures last week, it looks like that's going to continue for quite a while here. No big heat waves really in sight. They've kind of revised the outlook for above-normal temperatures back to seasonal to cooler-than-normal temperatures over the next 14 days. So, and, and considering where we are, that is not bad at all, especially yeah. remembering what two weeks ago was like. Exactly, because this is typically the hottest time of the year, late July into early August, so actually headed towards a cooler-than-normal time period when it can be the hottest time in the area. And we don't mind the above-normal temperatures when it's February, but the above-normal <laughs> temperatures in July, just not nearly as fun. Yeah, You like to hear about record highs in the winter, but not during the summer. That's exactly right. <laughs> right now we do have temperatures very pleasant out there, upper 70s to low 80s in much of Nebraska. Some mid-80s, though, as you head into central and eastern areas of Kansas. And you may notice the humidity not too much of a factor either. Right now, dew points in the upper 50s to low 60s. Usually when it gets up to 65 is when you start feeling that uh, extra humidity when the dew points up at 65, but not the case today with those dew points upper 50s to low 60s, pretty much region wide, not just in the west. We do have some stray clouds moving through west central areas of Nebraska from about Thetford down through east of North Platte to east of McCook. A little bit of light rain maybe getting squeezed from those clouds south of Curtis to east of McCook, but a better chance of seeing at least some scattered thunderstorm activity in north central Nebraska from. Uh, just west of Valentine to the southeast of Valentine, that activity gradually sliding to the south and southeast, but not expected to be too much of a weather factor for today. Some sunshine for today, light southeast winds, and slightly cooler than normal on the temperatures. Some thunderstorms, though, are possible later today through tomorrow as we see some storms form over Wyoming and Colorado near low pressure and track to the east. There is a marginal risk of severe storms from the Panhandle to extreme southwest Nebraska, also northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado, and just checking the latest outlook, and that is continuing to be the case. Once again, maybe a few storms that could be severe Panhandle and to extreme southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and northeast Colorado. Not a big severe threat for today. When it gets to about a slight risk of severe storms is when you need to really start taking attention. For the middle of the week here, a ridge of high pressure will stretch from southern Colorado to northern New Mexico, a ways away from us, so that will place us in a northwesterly flow. We'll be on the eastern edge of this ridge of high pressure. That will keep our temperatures slightly cooler than normal. Ridge running thunderstorms tracking southeast on that eastern edge of that ridge. Those will track southeast through our area giving us a greater chance of a little more thunderstorm activity by Thursday night into Friday night. Overall, not a big threat for that. There will be some multiple small chances for thunderstorms this week, but it is likely some areas will actually remain dry. The high-pressure ridge retreating even more to the west by Friday into the weekend. That will maintain the cooler-than-normal temperatures and mainly dry weather. In the long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas likely to be mostly cooler than normal this weekend through August 11th. And by the middle of August, we still 
start seeing those normal daytime highs in central Nebraska begin to cool to the mid-80s as opposed to the upper 80s for average daytime highs this time of year. Average overnight lows also by mid-August cooling to the low 60s. The rainfall forecast indicates above normal rainfall this weekend through the 11th of August for Nebraska and Kansas. That better chance of rainfall in the later periods of the middle to late part of next week. Key weather factors in the markets include mild weather in the Midwest and beneficial weather in Russia, a slow-moving cold front. Crossing the Midwest now will reach the Atlantic coast around midweek and stall out where showers will persist. Late in the week, a new round of thunderstorms will develop across the nation's midsection. Crop weather in the Midwest will be mostly favorable for pollinating corn and developing soybeans with no significant hot weather and generally enough rain. The main concern for corn and soybeans right now is the slow development due to late planting. Crops will need an extended growing season to make it to maturity. Northern Plains crop development well behind normal, which will make crops vulnerable to damage of an early freeze. For the Black Sea region, favorable crop weather remains with no significant heat or dryness expected in the Ukraine all the way through western Russia. And Paul, something you mentioned earlier, I think bears repeating, you mentioned the, the marginal risk for some severe thunderstorms existing in the Panhandle and other places around KRV and listening area. That's like a scale of one to five, where one is marginal, that's the least risk, five mm-hmm. is the highest. But just because we have a slight risk, which is the two on that scale, yeah. the slight risk is what we had when we had the tornadoes yeah. in the McCook area about two months ago. And then three weeks ago, when we had all the flooding in Kearney and Cozad and Lexington and other places, that was a slight risk, too. So exactly, when yeah. we say there's a quote-unquote slight risk, even though it's only a two out of five on that scale, we've seen some major yep. damage happen with that slight risk. And definitely want to take a heed of that when it does say that slight risk. And then, of course, even higher after that. But, yeah. Right now, just a marginal risk of maybe some isolated cases of some storms going severe across western areas for today. And Paul, where can everybody go for the latest information? That's KRVN.com. Rural infrastructure, roads, bridges, and broadband is the topic of the next Rural Radio Forum. Join us August 6th from 3 to 4 p.m. and 2 to 3 Mountain Time on 880 KRVN. We'll talk with experts from the national, state, and local level about the condition of the roads and bridges across Nebraska, not only in light of the recent floodings, but also into the future. Then we'll dive in and discuss rural broadband internet, the challenges faced by rural producers, and more. It's Rural Infrastructure, Roads, Bridges, and Broadband on the next Rural Radio Forum. Marketing and low volume, low informational times is our topic of discussion now on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Last week, the grain trade was noted with low volume and overall sluggish trade. In the end, most grains lost some ground, but did not let the bear shift all the momentum to the downside. Not helping farmers and grain marketers is a crop year that does not line up with any analog data currently on file. This leaves a lot of unknowns and speculation as to what may happen to the crop in 2019. USDA has even struggled in getting accurate acreage numbers to the market. Despite these issues, Darren Fessler of Lakefront Futures and Options believes farmers still need to be active in their risk management. Right now, I I think this is not a time to abandon risk management, even though... Yes, I, you know, you could say the, the issues that we have out there could pinpoint to some higher prices later on in the future. That's hard to argue against. There is some real problems out there, especially for our clients in Illinois and Indiana and Ohio. There's some real issues out there. But the other big issue that's really not getting a whole lot of, I mean, it gets its focus a little bit and traction on social media, but it's, it's that demand side. It's just, it's not there. And the, and the question is, Okay, because of our lack of demand, how much of this 
the old crop, does it get carried over to the balance sheet of this new marketing year? That's still up in the air, and I, I would assume it's much more than what the USDA is currently figuring, and, it, and probably in time they will probably recognize that, and that will bring up the carry out on this balance sheet. Now, how, how were we set up on the acreage, and what is that yield going to be is, is another thing. I Going back to your question, though, I don't think that this is a report that you say, hey, because of they were probably way off in that June uh, number, we have to assume that they're going to really lower the acreage. I think the risk here, given that producers are long in the field, you know, and if they don't have very much price or contracted or hedged, I think this is a mark where they need to be looking at some protection just because that you don't want to say, well, the USDA has to do it. You know, the USDA historically has given the farmer a lot of problems in the past. You just, this is not the year with the demands picture where you just want to be taking a big, big gamble and saying they have to go it and they're going to lower those yields or lower that acreage in time. So it, I, I'm definitely encouraging guys to look at some protection option strategies uh, ahead, of, ahead of that August report. While the futures market has tried to signal bears, basis continues to be fairly hot across the country. Basis levels around the country are still relatively strong, historically speaking. So they're really telling you they really want this corn, but the spreads are not reacting that way. So to me, it goes back to this, this, this August report and, and how it's going to set the tone. I think guys who are wanting to be bullish as market, which is a lot of people, I think you're going to have to be very patient here. It's maybe not even something August really brings. I think August, yeah, gives us a better direction, but we really don't know how this crop will perform and really until the combines roll. And given where how late some of this crop is, the, the harvest dates are going to be all over the board. And the question is, if we run into a cooler spring or happen to run into a freeze, which is not being talked about yet, way too soon to probably speculate on that. But how if you run into a cool, you know, September, October, does this crop really get to the full potential or does it even get to the finish line? How the USDA is even going to know this, even though they have all the resources under the sun, it, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to even understand. That's why I say the bulls are going to have to wait and be patient here, probably until that fall, late fall, mid-fall time frame. That again, Darren Fessler, Lakefront Futures and Options, sharing his thoughts on grain marketing in low-volume, low-informational times. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for a check of midday sports. This hour brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family. Welcoming in Jason Jorgensen. And Jason, you know, they sometimes refer to this as the dog days of summer, but still plenty of things out there, especially if you're a big fan of Legion baseball. Yeah, that's for sure. We've hit the home stretch. Class A seniors tournament yesterday. Carney lost to Granton at 10 to nothing. So Runza will take on Carney. Runza takes on Papillion elimination game this afternoon at 4. Hastings lost 3-2 to two to Fremont in the American Division. They have an elimination game this afternoon at 4 against Elkhorn South. In Class B, McCook stayed alive with a 13-5 win over Gehring. They'll play at 1 against Hickman. Now, the Class C tournament in Syracuse, they ran into raindrops last night. So coming up uh, at this time, it's a conclusion between BDS and Hardington. That game will be immediately followed by Pender against DCB. The other games today will be determined by the results of those two games. Well, new Ohio State football coach Ryan Day certainly has big shoes to fill as he replaces Urban Meyer on a permanent basis this fall. They talked about the task of trying to keep things afloat in Columbus. And, and that's, that's not something I really like to answer because, uh, first off, you don't replace a legend. 
you know, replace one of the best uh, football coaches in the history of the game. And what you can do is just be yourself. And, and I think that's what I'm doing and focusing on what we call tough love. Tough is being tough, being tough on the field. And with our strength and conditioning program being the backbone of our program is that they have to be tough. Our guys got to be, it's a tough game. We got to make tough decisions. For the first time in a number of seasons, Ohio State is not the favorite to win the Big Ten East this year. That early uh, designation goes to Michigan. Tyreek Hill was contrite but repentant in his first comments since he was banished from the Chiefs following an audio recording in which his then fiance accused him of hurting their son. Star wide receiver declined yesterday to discuss the specifics of his case, which wound up in a conclusion late last week when the NFL declined to punish him for violating the league's personal conduct policy. But he did apologize for the spot that left the Chiefs in this past season and says it will never happen again. If you missed it over the weekend, longtime Lexington boys and girls track and cross-country coach Sam Jilka has been named the USA Track and Field and Cross-Country Coach of the Year for the state of Nebraska. This past season was another successful year for the Minute Maids of Minutemen. This spring, the Lexington boys won the school's first title in boys track in 30 years at the NSAA meet in Omaha, while the girls also had a very strong finish. Under Jilka, Lexington's cross-country teams have won state titles and been very competitive in the past. And Kansas City avoided a sweep at home, beating Cleveland 9-6 to yesterday. Tonight, the Royals start a series at home against Toronto. Each team, ironically enough, is 40-67 and on the season. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Seems like a long time ago since 2015. <laughs> oh, yeah. Public Health Department has reported mosquitoes testing positive for West Nile virus and have been found in Phelps County, Nebraska. The department's community health nurse, Susan Puckett, explains what West Nile virus is. West Nile virus is a virus, as opposed to a bacteria or a parasite, that is carried by mosquitoes. So people become infected with West Nile virus most often by being bitten by a mosquito that has West Nile virus. Once that gets into the person's bloodstream, they can have anywhere from absolutely no symptoms, which is the greatest majority, really, of people that contract West Nile virus, to illnesses leading to death. So encephalitis or swelling of the brain can be the end result of West Nile virus. The way the virus is detected in an area is by a trap the department places in their seven county service areas and then tests the mosquitoes for West Nile. Two Rivers Public Health Department encourage people to prevent being bitten by avoiding mornings and evenings wearing lightweight long sleeve shirts and pants and be sure to wear insect repellent with DEET IR-3535, oil of eucalyptus or picardin. The Buffalo County Sheriff's Office is investigating the circumstances surrounding a shooting incident where a man shot and killed his wife, shot and injured a neighbor, and subsequently committed suicide. The incident began at approximately 10.40 p.m. on Friday, July 26, 2019, in Gibbon, Nebraska. Preliminary investigations indicate that a Gibbon couple became involved in a domestic disturbance at their residence of 310 Court Street. The wife, Avita Gove, age 37, fled the scene to a neighbor's residence with her six-year-old child. At some point, her husband, Ryan Gove, age 38, obtained a handgun and pursued Avita Gove to the neighboring residence. Once at the neighbor's house, Ryan Gove shot Avita Gove multiple times. One of the neighbors, George Hoffmeister, was also shot by Gove. The husband fled on foot while the child, who was not physically injured, remained at the neighbor's home 
and Avita Gove was pronounced dead at the scene. Mr. Hoffmeister survived and was transported to Good Samaritan Hospital. After the shootings, the suspect returned to his residence. Officers surrounded the house and the Kearney Buffalo County Emergency Services Unit team was notified and responded to the scene. Negotiations with Mr. Gove were ongoing for approximately four hours. The suspect was later located inside the residence and was deceased with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Buffalo County Sheriff's Office, Kearney Police Department, Nebraska State Patrol, and Buffalo County Attorney's Office responded to the incident. Additionally, the investigation is being assisted by investigators of the South Central Area Law Enforcement Services. Omaha police have identified the body of a man that was pulled from Carter Lake. The body was spotted Sunday about 10 feet from the bank and recovered around 12.30 p.m. An officer found a pair of shoes and t-shirt nearby. Police identified the man as 53-year-old James Clymer, and police say his last known address was an Omaha homeless shelter, Sienna Francis Home. From the KRBN News Center, I'm Ellen Lair. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, approximately 39% of the 911 million acres of farmland in the lower 48 states is rented. 80% of cropland is owned by a non-operator landlord. Consequently, there may be issues that arise from renting land and, frankly, in managing land. Workshops hosted by Nebraska Extension will help navigate that water. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Alan Vanalik is a Nebraska Extension educator and a workshop presenter on this topic. Alan, let's first talk about who these workshops that you'll be hosting are targeted to. Well, we're going to do them uh, quite, a, quite a bit over eastern Nebraska here, from St. Paul on east, and uh, we'll be doing them here in August. And uh, we're, we're targeting both landlords and tenants. We see good, good information for both sets of uh, both parties, uh, you know, and, and, and so we're really excited to provide them and hope people will come out. What are some of those topics that are going to be covered in these workshops? So co-presenter Jim Jansen will be talking about uh, the, the pure land management part, uh, i.e. Uh, what cash rent is, what the land values are, uh, those kinds of you know, uh, pasture rents, pasture values, uh, those kind of statistics, because he does that. He actually, Jim actually does that survey. Uh, Glennis McClure is coming with us this year, first time, and she's going to be talking about the UNL crop budgets and Glennis McClure is uh, actually working on an online crop budgeting model, and she's going to be demonstrating that a little bit. I think people will be kind of excited about it because they can build their bu- budgets online using the UNL crop budget generator. We're kind of excited about that option. Uh, I will be talking about good communications between landlords and tenants. Uh, it's kind of an ongoing battle. Uh, obviously, when we have a I, – I think that most rents are in good shape. I mean, I think most landlords and tenants get along great. But where we have those that uh, don't get along great, probably 90 or 95 percent of those issues come from bad communication. So we're going to talk about the importance of that and what inf- types of information should be shared. Austin uh, Durfeld is also presenting with us this year, and he's going to talk about negotiating and uh, the importance of negotiation uh, in rents. And, uh, uh, and he gives some, some tips on how to get through that uh, minefield. And then, and then Austin's also talking about adjusting the rents for recent flood-damaged ground and uh, what types of things can be looked at in terms of uh, programs that we can be used to help us mitigate those issues. We're, gonna, we're also finishing up with uh, good, uh, good lease provisions. Mm-hmm. What are solid lease provisions? What do the good lo- provisions look like? What do we think are the recommendations that you have to, to put in place to make your lease be viable? We've got five upcoming locations, Alan, and I want to run through them here quick uh, in case folks are listening and they might be in their area, then get signed up. First one coming up August 8th in Mead. August 9th in Dakota City, August 19th in St. Paul, August 20th in Wilbur, 
and then August 21st in Lincoln, all about four hours or so, Alan. What was the inspiration? What are you hearing from folks across Nebraska that led you all to come together and put these workshops on? Well, Jim and I have been a part of a team that's worked on this for quite a few years. As a matter of fact, I'm probably the, the, the founding member of the team, and, and uh, actually I've been working on it for more than 10 years. And every year we've tried to provide some landlord-tenant meetings of some sort, and uh, so, you know, the deal is uh, we, we provided them, uh, especially back in 19, 2006, 2007 through 2013 when prices were high uh, and rents were going up. And now we've been trying to provide them especially hard after 2013 when commodity prices were lower and we're trying to get the rents to go down to, to be appropriate with the uh, functionality or the, 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 the resource available to the farmers to pay those rents. And so uh, I don't know what kind of luck we're having, but we're, we're working on it. And so... Uh, that's that's what's going on with that, and so we've been trying to do a few of these every year. If folks heard one of those five locations I mentioned coming up in August, uh, do they need to register to attend or let someone know? Yes, there's going to be a small registration fee, uh, $15 per person or $25 per couple, and a couple of the workshops also include uh, lunch. So uh, call ahead, get registered, uh, call, the, uh, call the extension office in those counties where they were listed, uh, just call that that county's extension office and get registered. Or you can call me. Uh, I'm at 472, uh, excuse me, 402-472-1771. Or you can call Jim Jansen. He's at 402-261-7572. And either one of us can help you uh, get uh, to one of the sites. We'd love to have people come out. And we'd love to have a robust discussion about what we're doing with our rental arrangements. Excellent. Well, it's a great topic, Alan. What else would you like to add about these workshops? They're, they've been very popular over the years, and uh, people really appreciate them, and we think that we're uh, covering some good topics. I'm also, I guess I didn't say this, but I'm also probably going to be covering a little bit about asset transition. What are you going to do with your farm after you're done with it? Uh, I'm not trying to encourage farmers to quit farming. I'm not going to try to encourage farmers to retire, but they don't get to avoid the grave. Everybody ends up, ends up uh, in the pine box, so to speak. And I'm not trying to sound uh, morbid or, 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 or uh, flip about that. Uh, so what's your plan? What, is, what, is, what do you have in place? And so the other thing I'll talk about a little bit about is transition planning. What happens to your asset after you're gone? It's not like it was 30 years ago when our parents left it to us. Uh, the price of poker or the price of farm ground has gone way up. And we have to deal with that very carefully and uh, put together a plan that makes sense. And if we're trying to keep the farming unit together, uh, put, put together a plan that keeps the farm in business. The price of poker is going up, and uh, you can't take those poker chips with you, can you? No, no, no. I haven't seen any casket yet with farm ground in it, uh, your John Deere tractor in it, or uh, the pile of money in it. Not, not, at least not invisible view, right? None of those so, are going with us. So, uh, so make a plan and, and get that plan in place. I'll be making comments about that because my current job is a uh, farm success and educator. Well, we appreciate you stopping by to share this information with us, Alan. He's Alan, Alan Vanalica, Nebraska Extension Educator, and one of the workshop presenters. On the Rural Ready Network, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Time for our midday check of business. And Bob Brogan, stocks are looking up, but they're kind of mixed. Dow Jones Industrial Average up, but NASDAQ still sliding? Yes, uh most uh, stocks are mostly lower on Wall Street. Investors are pulling back to, uh, after pushing stocks to record highs last week. Amazon is leading a wide range of consumer-oriented companies. Lower and technology stocks have fallen broadly, led by Microsoft. Facebook has led communications stocks lower as well. So stocks, uh, some higher, some a little bit lower. 
And uh, the uh, at last check, the Dow is 30 industrials, up about 64 points. The NASDAQ composite down about 42, and the S&P 500 down a little over 4. Negotiations aimed at ending a tariff war between the U.S. and China are due to begin tomorrow in Shanghai. Hopes for a breakthrough appear slim despite the agreement in June by Presidents Donald Trump and Xi Jinping to restart efforts at ending the costly fight over technology and trade. Mr. Trump is demanding the World Trade Organization stop allowing some countries more lenient treatment as developing economies. China's foreign ministry today said that position has further exposed the administration's wayward arrogance and selfishness. Pfizer is buying Mylan. The all-stock deal will combine the $10 billion generic pharmaceutical company with its own off-patent branded and generic business. The average U.S. price of regular-grade gasoline, well, it's dropped by about $0.02 per gallon over the past two weeks to $2.81. Industry analyst Trilby Lundberg of the Lundberg Survey says lower crude oil costs contributed to the decrease at the pump. The price is $0.10 lower than it was a year ago. In Nebraska, that price is uh, around $2.57 give or take a little bit, uh, according to AAA. So price is a little bit uh, even lower than the national average in Nebraska. Those are some of the stories that we're watching today in the business world. Let me turn the microphone on first. Many thanks, Bob Brogan. And as as always, more information available on our website, krvn.com. When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVN. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listing area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events, and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south, looking at Interstate 80, and literally right off as you head north into Kearney, this is why they have the interstate shut down, water's over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that, obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for Podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880 KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. It is time here now to learn a little bit more and uh, get to know the new AFAN Livestock Programming Coordinator. She is Riley Stoltz from Bassett, Nebraska. Riley, good to have you on the air with us here today. Give us a little bit of background about about you, kind of where you came from. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so originally grew up um, just north of Norfolk um, on a small um, cow-calf operation. We raise club calves, so grew up showing cattle, um, horses, and then um, attended Northeast Community College for two years, graduated there with my Associates of Science degree, and transferred to UNL. Um, at UNL, I graduated with my degree in ag business, which led me to Bassett, Nebraska, where I worked at a bank for two years as a loan administration manager. Um, and while I was in Bassett, I did a lot of community work um, on the side. So I guess that's kind of how 
my interest with AFAN was sparked because um, really enjoy the community development programming stuff. Started some new ventures in Bassett while I was there, and I guess that's just where my passion is, um, along with agriculture, so this job just made sense. What was it about this livestock program and coordinator position that kind of piqued your interest? Why did you decide that this is something that you wanted to try for? I would say that just because I have the option to plan events and coordinate and get out and meet new people and, you know, be very involved in the ag industry. I mean, I feel very passionate about the ag industry here in Nebraska. I mean, it's vital to our economy. And I would just have a bigger impact doing a job like that than what I was making at the bank. So you've been on the job with AFAN here for about three weeks, I think you said. Uh, uh, what have you been doing uh, so far? What, what's some of the, the work that you've been doing uh, up to this point in this short time? Lots of meetings. Um, we just did our swine summit in Norfolk last week. Um, we had a really good turnout, and that was exciting. So going forward, we hope to plan something um, for next year and make it a yearly yearly event um, and just kind of target a statewide audience instead of just Northeast Nebraska because that's an industry that's growing here in Nebraska. Um, besides that, lots of meetings, meeting lots of new people that we work with often um, with the corn board and soybeans and oh, working very closely with um, Lincoln Premium Poultry. We've done some open houses for some of their new barns that they've put up. So yeah, we've been busy. So give me kind of a rundown of this livestock programming coordinator position. What what will the responsibilities be for you uh, moving forward? What What is that position designed to do? So I'll do a lot of the program um, or event planning. So like the Swine Summit, something that I will plan next year. Um, Husker Food Connection down on East Campus is something I'll be planning, it, uh, along with anything else that I can think of that we should be doing um, consumer outreach things that any of the commodity boards might want some help with. Um, I know I've been talking with the dairy board about maybe planning some events there. So a lot of outreach um, and event planning. Well, it's good to visit with you. Good to get to know you. And uh, I would say uh, congratulations on getting the position and, and good luck in the future. Hope to visit with you more down the road, okay? Awesome. Thank you, Chad. Again, we've been visiting with Riley Stoltz. Uh, Bassett, Nebraska has just moved over to AFAN, the Alliance for the Future of Agriculture in Nebraska there in Lincoln, and is the new Livestock Programming Coordinator. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. So from the start of the overnight trade, practically, uh, the uh, start of day trading, we held some gains, but we were off the highs of the day in the grain and uh, soybean market. Look, look at that Chicago wheat uh, market, I guess. We can say that that was the leader to the upside, wasn't it? Yeah, Chicago Wheat's got probably the, well, I wouldn't say the, the best story right now, but certainly the most bets being made to the long side going into the week. Outside of corn, um, there isn't any other market that has, has a, a net positive on the speculative COT report. So 
wheat's got, I guess, the story based off of a couple of things. One would be the European harvest is still undergoing and very hot in Central Europe. Uh, we know the story out of Russia. I think that reflects kind of the global problems that exist in the wheat market, so to speak, more than the KC would reflect what's going on more domestically here. Um, and then the second thing is the currency. And, and, you know, wheat, the one thing that hasn't happened for a while, given interest rates have been on the, on the come higher here in the U.S. going back to 2014, is wheat really hasn't caught much of a move on a macro perspective. And if you look at a market like gold, wheat can trade that way. It's got inflationary uh, capability of it. And, you know, in my, in my opinion, um, you know, overseas buyers, specifically big speculators, are going to go to the, the Chicago market more than they will the KC, uh, just given that it does reflect more global, global prices. And, and everybody's cutting rates, so currencies across the globe are going to get cheaper. Uh, money is easier now than it was a year ago, and I would think wheat has a, has a story here. The, the question is how much how can we hang, how high can we hang over the, sh- the KC? Right now, we went to the close this morning, or we had about 65 cents under. So that's uh, quite a premium there to think that, that Chicago is going to hang around. K- we need to see KC rally or Chicago come down, in my opinion. What about the technical picture when it comes to corn and soybeans at this time? Well, you know, the dailies obviously some consolidation going on. I like to pull it out to the weekly. If you get my newsletter, you would have seen that this morning. We're, we're really right in the middle of the distribution channel going back to, to the first part of the year. So we've rallied. The correction is upon us. Um, you know, everybody's kind of waiting and holding their breath for that 420 test. I, I got to think we see it, but at the same time, sometimes everybody wants to buy at the same price. We never get there. Uh, I'd say if we can close the week above last week's low, that would be a very good sign. Uh, any push-up this week would certainly encourage some technical buying going into the crop progress or the crop uh, report that's on the 12th. And that, that really is the kind of the uh, focal point for the market right now. Definitely. Thanks, John Payne. Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. You can always go to their website and learn more. DanielsAgMarketing.com Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network.